This is Charles Gardner, and we're back with podcast number three during the World Cup. We're at Great Dane Brewing in Madison tonight, and we're lucky to have John Trask, the coach of the University of Wisconsin Badgers soccer team, with us. And then uh, we're going to talk to Boro as well about the World Cup, and there have been some exciting going, goings on uh, the World Cup here in the uh, round of 16. But, John, first, uh, welcome. And uh, just uh, want to congratulate you on the great season you guys had last year. I also see you've been uh, named to the Wisconsin Soccer Hall of Fame, so you've had quite a quite a last 12 months with with the Badgers, and uh, congratulations on that honor as well. Thanks, Charles. Yeah, it's been an exciting 12 months, and seeing a couple guys go on to the pros and what we've got returning here at the University of Wisconsin, really pleased. It was it was my eighth season back in and. In Wisconsin, and uh, you know, really felt like it was a solid, a solid team this year, and culminated in a Big Ten tournament championship for the boys this year. Well, that was fantastic, and I saw you beat Maryland, and uh, you know, went on and beat Indiana on penalty kicks. I know that's your alma mater, so that had to be a little sweet oh, <laughs> as yeah. well, right? Sure. After seeing the World Cup uh, results yesterday in penalty kicks, it was. Uh, it reminds me, it harks back to Indianapolis when we beat Indiana in the final this year in penalty kicks. Very good. Now, you played for Jerry Yegley, right, at, at IU. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, everybody knows that was maybe the best college soccer program ever. Or certainly, it's had a great tradition. And uh, what did you learn from him that's helped you in your career coaching and now where you are coaching the Badgers? I, I imagine... Those were some tough lessons, but some lessons when you played for him with the Hoosiers. Yeah, you know, I call him Coach. Uh, <laughs> you know, Coach had a phenomenal career and left a legacy in the NCAA men's soccer that uh, I, I don't think we'll ever see duplicated, just that he was there close to 40 years. I don't think it was all varsity, but uh, yeah. six national championships. I, I don't even know how many Final Fours. I was fortunate to play for him, and then uh, – got the opportunity to go to grad school and work for him for 10 years. And I think most importantly, what he taught me sitting on that couch is how you treat players and, you know, keep things simple. It's a simple sport. And I think those are the teams that are doing well in the World Cup. And I've spoken, you know, coach's passion for the game never wavers. I've spoken to him almost daily as the World Cup's been going on. You have been speaking with him every day. Yeah, he's excited as we all are as soccer fans. This is every four years. I was joking with my wife. I said, I, I wish uh, the World could, Cup could go on indefinitely. And she said, you're not serious. Three games a day, every single day the rest of our life. And I said, that would that'd be a wonderful life the way I look at it. That'd so, be fine. Sure. It, it is exciting, isn't it? And uh, we saw it today with uh, Belgium's big comeback against Japan. And uh, th there have been, been some great moments. And, and we'll talk a little more about the World Cup. But, but I want to ask you, what happened to have that great season with the Badgers, and it, it was really uh, a culmination, I'm sure, of a lot of hard work, but to win the tournament, to go to the Sweet 16, and uh, I know you beat Notre Dame, which they've always had a marvelous program in Division One, and then I think lost to Akron in overtime, correct? So you guys really went far. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, we had a really good senior class. We had a very good German goalkeepers, actually two very good senior goalkeepers, um, we lost to New Zealand internationally, decided to go to Sunderland um, after his sophomore season. 
uh, to pursue his dream of playing in the World Cup. He played in the Confederations Cup last summer in Russia. We were able to find a very good central defender to pair up with one of our seniors. And then just cross the board up the field, we had some special attackers. And I think it played out, um, you know, with some of these guys going on. Um, you know, as, as we as we joke about, uh, our trainer also is now the trainer at Minnesota United. So I think it ended up being six guys went pro in our estimation. The trainer went pro. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. bad. Not bad. And, and, you know, I did look up some of the uh, accolades that... Chris Miller won, I know his first team All-America, and he's gone on to a fine rookie season with Orlando City in MLS, and uh, you were telling me he, he is a candidate for Rookie of the Year. What He was a sixth overall pick, and uh, what, what skills did he have, and are you surprised by the success he's had already in, in Major League Soccer? No, no, Chris was, you know, we knew he was gifted coming out of high school. You know, when you look at all the great players that have come out of the Chicagoland area, Chris grew up playing for the soccer club, but we knew he was gifted. Needed to do a little bit of maturing. He was 17 when he showed up on campus, and I think he'd be the first one to admit it. Um, but it shows you what hard work and discipline and, and obviously God-given talent as well. And he set the uh, Big Ten record for assists uh, this year, and, and I think when and, and he was playing with some very gifted attackers as well, Mark Sagbeers and Tom Barlow, Mike Cotillon. We had goal scoring ability around him, but I think when you look at twenty assists in a collegiate season, and he missed basically a game and a half for us due to injury. Um, you know, he'll go down as one of the all-time greats in the Big Ten at any school, and I think when you think back to someone say like Armando Betancourt who was the first collegiate player to ever play in a World Cup who played at Indiana played for Honduras in the 1982 World Cup there's been some phenomenal players coming through this conference you can look back at some of the guys that represented Wisconsin in their championship season Gentile and these guys and, and no one came close Lee Wynn played in Indiana Lee for two Wynn. years Lee Wynn. no one's come close to what Chris accomplished and uh, high marks to him and uh, yeah it was, it was a great season it was a lot of fun so what do you do for an encore now I looked you, you, I see you've got a nice schedule coming up uh, what are you looking forward to this season I see you open with uh, like a Labor Day tournament I think Northwestern is part of your tournament as well yeah playing Fordham and uh, I forget Fordham and Valparaiso and Val and yep. Valparaiso to start, so that'll be a nice kickoff. Yeah, it's uh, we got some replacing to do. There's no question. But as as I've told people, I, I you know I don't like to talk about rebuilding or reloading some of those names. Right. You know, are, are we going to be young and hungry? Are we going to be young and naive? And I would like to think we'll be a little bit younger, but maybe there's going to be a hunger. It was was difficult for some other guys to get on the field, and, and we've got some newcomers showing up um, that are going to be we think very successful. But when you're looking at Chris Mueller or Mike Catalano, Tom Barlow, you know, sometimes there's not a lot of playing time to go around. We all know soccer is not a game where we just substitute to keep people happy. So I think our returning players are hungry, hopefully putting in the work over the summer. And, and we've got some very, very good returning players. And we return most of our backs and our center of midfield, Noah Leibold, and a, a young man who will be a junior for us, uh, Mitch Guitar, who is as good a midfield as I've worked with in in my 25 years involved with college soccer. He's, Where's he's he dynamic. From? Where's he from, John? He's Detroit, Michigan. Detroit. Um, opted to come to us, passed up Michigan and Michigan State and Louisville and a lot of other top programs. And Mitch is, uh, 
he, he's a special player. He's a dynamic midfielder. We've just had him in with a couple of the MLS clubs. They really like him. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what he does after this year. I think he may have options of going on in the game, um, which, if that's the case, we always welcome those opportunities that's part for our of players. It too, that's right? part of it. Yeah. And we know we provide something, great growth for players, collegiate soccer, but we also know the opportunity to go on and play professionally. That, that should be in players' minds, and there's opportunities not just in Wisconsin, going to be starting here in Madison, but all over this great country. And it's not just MLS, USL, there's some very, very strong teams and they take care of players in a way probably wasn't there in my generation. Uh, and it, it's nice to see that, that players have opportunities. I was going to ask you, there is this USL project in Madison. Are you excited about that and hope that maybe there could be some professional soccer in Madison uh, soon? Yeah, we think it's great. They had a, uh, uh, you know, kind of kickoff party a few weeks ago and, and met some of the people involved. It seems like a great ownership group. They've got an absolutely brilliant stadium. Anyone who's ever competed in Bree Stevens Stadium, it, it just, it, I, that's I still. That's Madison. That's Madison. <laughs> and over on that East Wash corridor with some of the development and some of the young you know, young soccer fans or people that are young soccer fans these days in America, they're right there. It's ready-made. It's going to be great. I, I laugh, you know, sometimes some of my teammates from Indiana say, do you still play in the old war stadium up in Madison? And I said, no, we actually play on campus. But anyone, I played high school games there back in the day. I mean, right. anyone who's ever had a chance to play at Bree Stevens, regardless of where they are in this country, would say it's a great little stadium and I think it's going to set up perfectly for this USL club and we wish Peter Wilt and, and the whole group from the Mallards, you know, huge success to this. I covered some high school soccer games at Breeze Stevens and I remember freezing in that press box at the boys tournament because it was in November. So, but it is a classic. It really, it was a lot of fun. They promised to, to upgrade. <laughs> they promised to upgrade it. Will they upgrade guys. the press box, yes. right? <laughs> right. So uh, I got to ask you before we go to the World Cup. I I happened to read that you had scored ninety nine goals in high school, and why not a hundred? Well, Willie for Willie, Whitefish Bay, yeah, Blue Dukes. Yeah, for right? Whitefish Bay. Willie, <laughs> Willie would take me out after I scored three. I think my jersey scored six on a few occasions. Uh, I bet we had a great high school team, and it's nice to see Whitefish Bay win it this year. I was. They had a great Matthew, team. Matthew Kuhinski is going to be joining us, and. Uh, Okay. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it, it, it's interesting all these years later to see a group of kids and they were, they were very good over their four year career. And, and Matthew and I were talking and he said, you know, were you guys as good as us? And I, I said, Matthew, we were very good. We sent a lot of guys division one off that team over a couple year period. And we also had a legendary coach in Willie Wessels. And, Willie uh, Wessels. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, I, you know, having moved back to the state, it kind of brings up more old memories. Um, I had left the state for 25 years, but yeah, uh, Whitefish Bay was, uh, it was some good times with some great friends. Yeah. And, and as you said, they had uh, a great team in this past year, and now you're going to have one of those members right, yep. on your team. So very exciting. It all comes back around. Sure. But, uh, John, let's just talk about the World Cup. I know you've been watching. As you said, you wish it would last every day until Christmas. But uh, what are you thinking about this World Cup? What has impressed you the most? Uh, is it the upsets? Obviously, we know there have been a lot of goals scored. There have been uh, stars go out. There have been stars shine. We're thinking about Harry Kane, thinking about uh, some of the 
great players, uh, Mbappe, who's uh, excelling now for France. What has really hit you uh, about this World Cup so far as we're, we're really getting into the meat of it now? Well, I think what's been interesting, and, and you know, now we're so connected. You know, there's games on everywhere. We, we watch games, you know, through VN Sports, through Fox Sports, ESPN, all the people that cover. You know, we're never, we're never without Messi for a week. And <laughs> right. It used to be when you watch the World Cup that, uh, you know, boy, if one of the world superstars, the guys on your bucket list lost, you, you may not see them again for a long period of time because they were playing in Italy and we didn't get Italian games or the Mexican games we didn't necessarily get on TV. So, you know, I'm not as concerned that we lost some, you know, the Cristianos and the Messis, even though they're wonderful players. I think the two talking points that will come out of this tournament, one will obviously be VAR. What a, what a drastic change to the game. And, you know, I was undecided before. I'm really a purist. But it seems that Bodo and I have been talking about it. It seems to be working pretty well. Um, you can argue a couple of little moments. But overall, it's made the games maybe a bit fairer, which is all you ever ask for as a competitor, a coach, someone who's around the game, an uh, interested fan. Yeah. And then I think what's what's been neat about this World Cup, and I think it was Arsene Wenger who brought it up a couple of years ago, not that we don't love individual players, but when you play a game that's 11, and I may sound like a, a coach right now, but I also played the game in it, and yeah, you have players that are better. You know, Neymar can do maybe more than someone else, but he, if he doesn't play within the team, and support some sort of team concepts, whatever they may be. It may be 11 in your own half. It may be 11 pressing the ball in the opponent's half. You know, that's that's all in the eye of the beholder. That's the group of players and their coaching staff that decides maybe game to game on tactics. But if, if it gets to the point where it's only about individuals, we're going to lose what soccer is really about. It, it's, it's not a game that can be played by one defender and one forward and, and everybody else is inconsequential. And I think when you look at the teams that have progressed, that's what you're going to say. Every one of them are teams. You saw that with Brazil, even in Japan in defeat today. They went for it and they played yep. as a team. And Denmark, they nearly pulled it off. Denmark. Denmark. You know, you, you, whether you love their brand of soccer, there's no question they acted as a unit. And to me, that that's going to hopefully be written and young players around the world that are aspiring to get to that level are going to realize, you know, you can have all the tattoos, you can have all the supermodels, and all that stuff, the fame and the fortune that comes with it is great. But if Croatia's midfield don't play together, you have a dysfunctional unit, no matter how good a Rakitic and a Modric are. The beauty is to see them join their national team and not just sing the national anthem in harmony. They play in harmony. They play together. Those are the teams that ultimately look like they're going to be successful in this cup. So I think it, it does take on, maybe, this cup maybe takes on something bigger in Russia. You know, as, as you it look at storylines going it forward. Be. It may be. And what, you know, Boro and I are going to talk about our predictions. I'll, let, I'll give you a chance with with the field remaining. Who do you think looks the best or has maybe the best route uh, to the final? I, I thought Brazil was exceptional today. You know, they, they look like a Brazil team that's focused. They've got the quality in certain spots that you probably need, a, a Neymar, a William that can – they've got substitutes, but they're playing – 
resolute defensively. And then great defending. You know, a guy like Coach Igley would tell you, you don't win championships. And I think in the history of the World Cup, you're not going to see a 4-3 final. It's rare you're going to even see a 4-3 in, in any game going forward from here on out. It's going to be the teams that can defend and then find their moments to attack. I, I like Brazil. Um, I'm excited for Russia because... The host team, yeah. The host team. Having been in France in 98 and watching how the whole country took on that French team. And I'm not, believe me, I'm not comparing the Russian players right Correct. now to that French team. I got it. But Big Zuba and the Golanov, these guys, they're playing hard for their country. They've got the 12th fan. I've talked to people that have been at the tournament. Everybody's enjoying the tournament. They're having fun. And I think Russia's done enough, even if they go out in their next game against Croatia, they, they're, they're a part of this tournament. There's going to be a great vibe all the way through the final, which is important. It's always good uh, to have the host country do well. Yeah. England, I wasn't about sure, yeah. but Southgate seems to have tapped into something with this group of players. They've got a goal scorer. They, they seem to be resolute defensively as well. Whether they're quite good enough to win the whole thing, I, I'm not quite sure. But they probably get helped, you know, at some point, um, you know, with the scheduling that they've got a little safer route. I, I don't know what would happen if they had to play Brazil on Friday, right? If, As if Mexico found to get out, through. yes. <laughs> right. If they're fortunate to get through, so. I've always been an English fan. My mom's from Liverpool, so I'm always pulling for uh, old England. England. We'll we'll see how uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes tomorrow. See how they do. All right. Very good, John. Thanks so much. Thank and, you, John. Uh, appreciate you coming on with us as we kind of start our new venture here. And uh, we wish you best of luck this fall with the Badgers. And hopefully, we'll get up to see you guys play. And uh, uh, I, I know your stadium is a fun place to be, too. Yep. And I see you had some fans out there last year, quite yeah. a few, right? Yeah. They call it the Colony, I read. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, and, that's our fan supporters and, and they're And they're getting pretty excited about the soccer. So. Yeah. Well, thank you, Charles. All right, Good luck. Thank you. thank you. All right, we're going to turn uh, to Boro Suchovic, our regular. Yeah, we're back. And, and Boro is back. And, uh, you know, today I want to tell you, folks, that Bora was, you know, in a world of hurt for a while when uh, Japan was leading two to zero, and uh, he would have had his Belgian uh, champion of the tournament, as predicted in the first podcast, uh, go right out on a slide there. So, uh, Boro, how did you survive that afternoon? But of course, we all know Belgium came back with the three-goal comeback for the win. My Majesty and other players helped me out. Fellaini comes on with Lukaku, and somehow it worked out for us. But yeah, what a, what a crazy game! Uh, it was it was such an emotional game for me. Uh, number one, you know I have Belgium, and you know I, I picked know. them really early, and I think they had a lot of depth. Uh, I like their players. I, I, they defend well. They have a great midfield. They have individual players that can solve problems. They were super super forward in Lukaku. That's been scoring and all that. But I tell you what, those. Uh, uh, watching Japan play today and the way they're high pressing, they high their press. commitment, yeah. the way they pass the ball, technically speaking, they literally put Hazard, the Bruyne on the back foot, literally. I mean, the flicks and the passing and the movement and the, the giving goes, the shooting. What they I think mean, they were Spain? Or what? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, Kagawa, as we know, absolutely. Right. I mean, the short, they it, literally, terrific. it reminded me of, of, of uh, almost the. Barcelona five, six years ago, 
a lot of shorter players on the field. But once they got to hole, they could literally get through you, slice through you easily. And my God, the goals came the goals. quickly. Yeah. And the second goal was like, I mean, that should be goal of the tournament. That was I mean, gorgeous. you can't strike a ball any better than that. It was perfect. But then, then again, the, the comeback, uh, the coach of Belgium, uh, Martinez, I mean, you know, you make two substitutions and they both score a goal for you. And, and then again, you know, like this World Cup has been really crazy too because a lot of the goals that are scored on set pieces or out of, out of the open play have been really due to defensive mistakes. I mean, you know, Japan has, has a corner kick. You know, 93 minutes, 60 seconds left, they're trying to win the game and they, they're sloppy. They're, they're not organized defensively. They can outrun the other way four and three and give up a game winning goal with seven seconds. It reminded me of the Serbia um, Switzerland game, you know. It went Serbia played Absolutely the same way, where a guy, you know, the center back tries to trap, and the guy just outruns him for a goal, you know, that. So it was that know, a heavy play by Courtois, though, to just start that? He didn't give up. He didn't say, hey, we're just going to extra time. Yeah. He started it, right? Exactly. He he, you know, he threw it out quickly, and they just took off, you know. So that, that really a great play on their part, and I was I, I was so excited. I mean, I this is really one of the most exciting moments for me. Of the whole tournament, really, the, just the way the game well, ended. It was a great game. It was a great game to watch for the fans, and I'm just happy to have my uh, my uh, horse still in the race. Still, and and now uh, you have Belgium and Spain. Of course, Spain's gone out. We've had so many upsets. Russia beating Spain. I have Brazil in the final. So I guess we'll find out. But I had Germany in the final as well, and of course Germany is out. So we've had. I've I talked to people who are done these soccer pools and they said hey it's like the NCAA tournament the bracket is is long gone busted and uh, we've had that with Russia winning with uh, Argentina going out although I have to give you props for remember you were the one who said you didn't think Argentina would get through the group they barely did but they really didn't last too long did they as the young gun, guns from France beat them what do you think about that French team and Mbappe Maybe is it some of this in with the new, out with the old a little bit? Absolutely. I, I think what, what's unfolding right in front of our eyes here is that you're seeing the two legendary players, Cristiano Ronaldo and Lionel Messi, they're finished with the World Cup early, also their age and all that. We're not even sure. I think Cristiano will probably play one more time he might, in Qatar. Right, right. I, I think Messi might be done. But I think what's unfolding right in front of our eyes is I think Neymar, the way he's been coming on, the last couple of games, I think he's ready to take the throne as the best player in the world. And Mbappe is the uh, the prince in waiting. <laughs> he's literally. the prince, so nineteen-year-old you know, prince. Absolutely. So I, I, I think we're you know we're literally witnessing the the sunset of two great players. Change. And, and, and you and, could throw Iniesta in there, and, who announces retirement absolutely. after Spain's game. Yeah. Boro, I almost cried after the Spain game because I won't get to see mm -hmm. Iniesta play for Spain again. And you know we have connections in Spain. But uh, what a great performer, right? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it's tough to see him go. Yeah, I, as you know, we've been talking about this for eight, ten years already. I, I've always believed that, it, that for me, he's one of the, if not the greatest midfielder to ever play the game, because he could do it all. Uh, and I, you know, unfortunately, he was on a team with Messi's and and Neymar's and and Henri's and Eto's and stuff. So, At Barcelona, he yeah, didn't absolutely. always get the, yeah. the, he didn't get the Ballon d'Or. Absolutely, right. and, he, and he should have which gotten the least Which he should have won. Yeah, after right. South Africa, the year after, right. he should have been. But yeah, you, you're seeing, uh, I think what's happened is with teams like Spain, uh, teams like Germany, uh, teams like Argentina, 
they came with an old aging squad. They, they, they came with the with, with older players that they've been to the dance Germany. two or three Germany times. Germany really as well. showed, didn't they, they? they came with you know with, with an aging squad. They've been there before. They won as well. They didn't refresh enough, and you know the long European season. And I've said this to you, I think, in the podcast number one too, is that if you look at the rosters of, of, of the teams and everything, the familiarity of players, 74, 75% of the players in the World Cup play in the European leagues. Familiarity. They really, know each other. Absolutely. So there are no more surprises. The surprises have come from teams like Senegal, things like, like Japan. I mean, you know, it's been, it's been the unknown uh, of players. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, in, in a way, it's sad to see some of the great players retire and be finished with the Marquez with Mexico Rafa and so Marquez on. Marquez started so today, but that was his fourth yeah. record. So, you know, like anything else, you know, the you know the stars do have to retire at some point. It does end. And the new players that are coming in, they're exciting. I mean, there's some really, really talented young players. I mean, you're still, you know, uh, you have a lot to still to see from Hazard, I believe. Lukaku is fairly young. De Bruyne is really young, and Lopez, I mean, you have Pogba's, you have, you know, Harry Kane's, Rashford's, you have ton of younger players, Great younger town. generation. Yeah, so there's, there really is a lot of younger players coming up, and which I think will make the next World Cup even more exciting than this one. Yeah, and that is going to be exciting, mm-hmm. and hopefully the U.S. will be part of that. We're sure they will. Uh, Boro, we had talked when we did that podcast, number one, uh, could a smaller nation win? You said you were hoping. And uh, Belgium survived today, so there is a chance. And do you still see, stick with that, that uh, you know a lot of these big powers have gone out, and uh, Belgium was on the rocks for a bit today, but they kept it afloat. And, uh, you know, uh, Croatia might, might be a team that you that could win, that yeah. would be a smaller nation I, as well. I, I still think here, Uruguay is also considered a smaller nation. And Uruguay. Nation. And I Uruguay. think Uruguay's got an excellent chance against France. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, as you said, Croatia, Belgium, and Colombia on the other side. Colombia has I mean, played yeah, very I mean, well in so, spurts. So you, you, James has been hurt. That's that's a big consideration. Probably our fans will hear this after the England-Colombia result. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that more in the next time. But... Yeah, so there's a there's a very good chance that a, a, a small country, small population will actually okay. at least be represented in the final and maybe win it. I would love to see a smaller country win because I, I always thought that that in, in sport in particular, you know, the politics and all the off the field stuff and all, all the other stuff behind the scenes, you know, it's too many World Cups and too much of this stuff. There's been, a lot of stuff has been affected by the non-sporting factor. And I think VAR, I think you mentioned this last time to you, VAR has really introduced a whole other a level of self-belief and fairness in, in, in sporting merit, where you now feel that, hey, if there is a controversial goal, they'll look at it. Every, all these guys Absolutely, are going like, yeah. what do you think of everybody making the picture well, that's, sign? That, Everybody's that, doing it, that's right? Hope. That's, that's hope. That's hope. It gives you hope that the justice will be served, because, I mean, I, I, I've been watching World Cup since the 60s, uh, you know, late 60s, and I've, I've seen it all. I, I, I've seen some unpleasantries, I, I, literal cheating. I, I've seen calls that really had no business in a sporting event. And then sometimes they will make a mockery of the game and all that. And, and really, it's just so good to see it out of, the, you know, out of the sports. I think technology is properly used. I did not also feel that VAR would 
you know, will it really be done the right way? Will the guy really in the booth say, let's look at it? Will there still be a... We've seen a couple times where they have not, and maybe they should have looked, mm -hmm. but for the most part, I'm thinking of that Neymar stomping today, that brought, that was mm -hmm. a red card, Absolutely. but they didn't even look at it. Yeah. But overall, they have been looking at things that are important. We know that the penalties kicks are mm -hmm. up in the, in the tournament, right? Because mm -hmm. they're... Going back and checking, and, and, and they've been legit. Yeah, they've been legit they've been calls, legit, you know. Right? Yeah. So you know, it, it's been it, that's been really good to see, you know. So yeah, I mean, uh, uh, so far I think that's part of the reason why we are we are witnessing the the most exciting first round ever. We're looking at an unbelievable number of goals. We're looking at some goals that are just out of this world. You know, we're, we're you know we, a lot of the ugly stuff and a lot of the unpleasantries, a lot of the gamesmanships. A lot of the unnecessary stuff on sporting stuff has been removed, cleaned up. And, you know, literally, you can literally now sit down and watch the game. You're not really so sure anymore about the outcome, literally. <laughs> and and that's where the, the, the game is a pleasure for a fan to watch, you know. Uh, you know, I've enjoyed no the pre prediction stuff, obviously. But, uh, you know, as, as you look at the teams that are still left in it, you know, France is surprising me because I, I honestly didn't think that, I didn't think they were really a unit, but progressively... Game after game, they've gotten better. They've gotten Brazil better. the same way. Yeah. Because I, I also had Brazil exiting, you know, in a, in a, in a quarterfinal, and that still might happen actually. Well, it will happen because Belgium will beat them. <laughs> it will have yeah, to exactly. happen. Exactly. It will have pet. to happen for me. It's going to happen. Exactly. But so. I, you know, I, I am I am still pulling uh, for uh, the Croatia team. I think is a wonderful team. I would love to see a Balkan team from the Balkans win a World Cup. Uh, I, I do have a, a little bit of a dream, as, as I mentioned to you yes. uh, a little bit before. You know, that part of the world that produces so many wonderful players and coaches and that's so much for the sport throughout its history, I think uh, you know, it would be nice that if something like that would happen and they would maybe, FIFA would look at it and say, award the Balkans, get you know, four or five of those ex-Yugo countries, give them a World Cup, build them the stadium so they can continue building these, you know, giving us good players. And you know, and, and you look at the Croatia team and to build up the game. The, what a great team yeah, so far! So, so far, except the Denmark game. I thought in the Denmark, Denmark game they, they did not play well. Yeah, they did not play but well. But they survived. Point, Sometimes you have to survive you, a bad game, right? You yeah. need luck. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't care which level you're at. The difference between the, uh, the team that doesn't win the championship and the team that does, like I followed uh, John, John Trask's team this past year a lot, and the difference between Stanford, and Indiana, and Badgers not being champions is. Probably one small, minute detail. Very slim. So you know, you know that's you know luck. It can be. A you big need thing. it, yeah, absolutely. And they have rocket. We should talk about Rakitic and Modric. I mean, I. Uh, but I, I, Modric I, having the penalty save, then he had to come back in the penalty kicks and and take a second one. Yeah, but and and of course he made that one. But but those guys are two of the best midfielders Croatia. in the world, and they seem to play together. Obviously, we know Real Madrid and Barcelona, yeah. they're rivals during the club season, but the way they're playing together on that team has been amazing, has it? You remember uh, last World Cup in Brazil, remember the Perisic came on, and remember uh, uh, when we were doing our podcast back then, and Quadrado, uh, Quadrado from Colombia, those two were outstanding wingers. Yes. But what about this Rebic kid that's been introduced in Croatia? Rebic. The power, the pace, the, I mean, he's got everything well. to be... Play my well. God, he's got a chance to be a world-class player. Anybody, any big club that's looking at this, I guarantee you they see the same thing. I mean, sometimes eyes don't lie. Sometimes what you see, it, it, that's exactly what it is. That's you're what's looking, happening. Yeah, you're looking at a guy that's power, speed... Energy. He can shoot. 
great player. Perisic for me still I think is one of the most influential players. Well. I mean he can do he can do it all, right? Left foot, left foot and all that. So while certainly Modric and Rakitic get everything because of their Barcelona Real Madrid stuff, but I do not overlook Rebic, Those guys. you know, in, in the next game against Russia and you know also Perisic as well. How, so we'll see. how will Russia play in that game? We heard their goalkeeper say, hey, we were just playing for penalties against yeah. Spain. And of course he came up big in the penalties, mm -hmm. as we know. But what do you think about that game? Is that a walkover for Croatia, or is that going to be a tough no, game? No, I, I, I actually, I actually yeah. think that Croatia might be in trouble based on the game against Denmark. Okay. I think their 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 egos and 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 maybe even their attitude. If it's if it's not the right attitude to begin the game, they'll be in trouble. And this host country is riding the wave, as John talked about earlier. Everybody over there is excited now. Now this team was supposed to like be the worst team in the whole field coming yeah, in. Yeah. And now they're riding the wave, and the, the the attitude in the host nation has changed 300, well, you know, dramatically. Russia has great goalkeeping. Good they goalkeeping. have a great uh, defense. They, they have a, a, a pairing centrally. One of the central uh, central defenders is 39 years old. Right. They've been together forever, so they have a really well organized defense. But the way the style of play of, of a lot of the Eastern European countries is basically a counter-attacking game anyway. They're very comfortable, you know, defending, and then really super quick on, on the counter-attack. And the midfielders and the big boy up front, how do you pronounce his name? Jaiba. Shuba. Shuba. Yeah. Shuba. I mean, he's a big boy. He's been he's super big. effective. He's big. So I mean, I, I I I think this might be the the game of the tournament. And if you remember, if you if you go back to '98, when uh, Croatia was also unfortunate in '98. That they had to face a host country in France, and my God, uh, I mean, they literally were supposed to go to the final, and right back from France, for the first time in his French national team career, goes forward and shoots through goal to knock out Croatia. So I do worry about Croatia because it's the host team going against the host team. If you're looking at this now, this is a wide open bracket, literally, because if whoever wins this game, Russia, Croatia, other side, you're looking at Colombia. Which I think will get past England, you're and you're looking at and, and Sweden, Switzerland, most likely Sweden. There's a pretty easy path for somebody getting the final here. So uh, Russia could sneak in. Or it can't happen. Yeah, well, <laughs> Russia in the final? You, you you just don't know. Because, well, you don't know because if things are going their way, I mean, oh. the first game onwards, the way things sometimes you know the, the wave just keeps coming, and it'll be a great game. I'm, yeah, I'm really that, looking forward be, to the game. That'll be but, a big uh, game. Yeah. Uh, on this side of the bracket, you know, as you know, I, I lost Spain, which I right. I don't understand. What's I wanted to ask you about Spain. Was it well, the defense? Was it they did they just didn't play uh, together? We all know the story about them losing their coach two days before. Uh, you know, that's uh, affected them, Charles. I mean, you, you think you know, that was no, a big impact? Yeah. You know, uh, unbelievably. Plus, I also think that where I think we might be. Looking at the end of the short passing, the Barcelona way of playing and all that, I think teams have figured it out. And I also think that they uh, possessed and possessed and wanted to get them. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's getting it's getting sickening, and, and a lot of the possession there also is is actually in their own uh, half defense half of the field. I mean, I did look up the They're stats. They're playing where, the ball back instead of yeah, the, you know, attacking. Yeah, when Sergio sometimes. Ramos, you know, c connects 150 passes, what does that really tell you? Sure, you keep the ball and all that, but you're, you're not. You're not really. That, that team was, is comfortable. That was you know? playing into Russia's hands. Absolutely, that's all. Absolutely. That's, that's what they wanted. So uh, I, I so. think we might be witnessing the Barcelona way of playing. I think he might be getting, uh, you know, different way of, of, of playing the game. 
I think a lot of the diagonals goals have been super effective. Every World Cup, the team that can play a good diagonal ball to the opposite side is always super dangerous and then the counterattack. The direct ball is coming back. It's coming back. It's, it's a comeback. Yeah. A lot yeah, of teams right? have demonstrated that, hey, guess what? We're no longer going to feel uh, bad about ourselves for playing a certain way because I, I think I think we all got caught up about eight, ten years ago into this don't play it if you play this way you're lesser of a team. you're a lesser you're, you're team le it's absolutely it was almost like an unpleasant way it's and almost like the nba now if you can't shoot a three-pointer right like the big man is it's a, the out of style the style absolutely. of the game but i think it's coming back a lot of times world cups will introduce uh something new yeah and i think when coaches right. all kind of you know jt is johnny johnny's doing the same thing as he's watching and looking and looking hey there's a lot of different ways you can skin a cat right i it was just hey Spain, when they had Xavi and Iniesta, they had all these great players. That style was working, 2008, 2010, 2012. But you don't have those players forever, you know, at their peak, right? And, and, also, and so maybe a different style can work as well. How You know, Sweden has played an interesting style, like well, the, the, the way they handled Mexico. Yeah, what, exactly. What, See, Charles, what, what you're seeing there is that is Sweden has made a strong decision to excludes Latin Ibrahimovic and they're better for it. The teams in this World Cup are the ones that are more successful. What, we what, we're, what we're finding out is teams. that the stars no longer can carry a team, as in the World Cup's past. And a lot of that, if you ask me, from the stuff that I've seen myself, all, all the World Cups, I think VAR is the reason. Because, you know, Neymar was exposed on diving, Ronaldo was exposed for punching off the ball. That's it sets precedent where the players are not getting all the the big names are not getting all the calls, you know they're not getting all the breaks. The big countries are not getting, you know, a right call at the right time. Every call or imagine or if we had VAR call. in 2002 against Germany when USA. I was just it should say, have been a goal. Torsten Frings. Yeah, exactly. We would have been in the semifinal. Could uh, Tony Sane yeah, do and, the the VAR yeah, exactly, sign? Exactly. Exactly. So we I, we all stood up in front of our television sets and said. And yeah, exactly. It, it, it was obvious. So if you, I think what will come out of this World Cup is that I think uh, teams will play differently. I think teams will not be so reliant on one player. Look what it does. I mean, Messi looked troubled every time he looked at him in the opening game. He couldn't handle it. Everybody forgot that they barely even made the World Cup. They had problems in qualifications, Charles. Right. They and, made it because yeah. of, of Messi. But but he had such mm -hmm. a burden yeah. uh, to bear, really. I mean, and and uh, can you honestly? How many of us can often really quickly here? Could you really even remember the names of the four or five players introducing their Kenyan national team this year? Who is Paris? Who are some of these guys? Right. I and, mean, right. And I think we saw Francis Pace. You know, they they played a little better in that game the other day. Mm -hmm. They did score three goals, but they gave up four. Yeah. And Mbappe and those guys were running everywhere. They just they couldn't stay with them. Yeah. Right, the the pace, especially in the back, in the back, was not sufficient. Well, you know the the the, the Argentinian coach, had, you know, it, it was really difficult for him. Chilean uh, uh, nationality comes in. Messi, Poli, everybody Poli, knows Poli, Messi right. picks the team. It's about how do the pieces fit around them. Unfortunately for Argentina, the uh, other players around Messi, they're not Xavi's and Iniesta's and no. Rakitic's and all that. So, Biscats and stuff, you know. So it's, it's no. you don't have a Suarez next to you. Right. Literally, but right. if, if, looking at the other side of the bracket, Charles, uh, you know, and I know everybody's really in love with France, 
But I tell you what. Uruguay's uh, defense, very good. I mean, could you choose two better center backs? They played club ball together. They played national team yeah, together. Bookkeeping is excellent. I mean, Muslera if, if, if you're going to play two, two, two lines of four defensively, I mean, you need two good forwards that can solve the problems offensively for you. I mean, could you choose two better ones than Cavani and Suarez? I mean, and we know that Suarez, if it wasn't for his biting tendencies, this guy really, he will, he should be always mentioned with Messi. He's a great scorer. He's a great player. He's great. He's got everything. Yeah. You know, those are a few unfortunate things. Can Uruguay win that game? I, I picked Uruguay to go through. Yeah. I do. I have France exiting actually. So you have Uruguay, Belgium. Absolutely. In the yeah. uh, in the semi. Yeah, and then in Belgium the and Uruguay, which they will. <laughs> and Boris sticking with that yeah. Belgium pick, but very good, very good. And I'm glad we talked about the VAR. That that really is there been any instance while you were watching the World Cup war where you were just incensed about a call or something, or or there's still been a few glitches with the VAR. But as you say, overall they're looking at it, and there's some thought that that there's going to be some justice. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm going to mention these before. I think VAR embarrassed itself uh, twice. Okay. Uh, one, once was it was with the Ronaldo's obvious punch to the face. That where, should have been a red card, definitely. Where they know? gave him a yellow card. And, and I thought they, they gave him a not, yellow not looking at that uh, 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 Mitrovic's foul against Switzerland when oh, two yeah. players wrestled down. That's not, right. not looking the, at it. Besides those two calls, uh, the other ones, you could always argue, could it be a red, yellow, this or that? I thought those who were really big blunders, rest of the stuff I think they've been spot on. I probably give them nine out of a ten, you know, literally. And I do give them credit for giving us wonderful first round and where everything is setting. I think VAR has is introduced. It's been a great equalizer. It's given a small country a, a literal hope and self belief that yes, I can win based on sporting merits. And of course, as we know in the NCAA tournament in basketball, that's what makes it great. Well, <laughs> you, Charles, remember how excited we were about Iceland when they right. knocked off England? I mean, I, you know. You know, why deprive, in the Euros. Why deprive yeah. people of that? True sporting fan, once your team is not in or out, the country is not in and didn't qualify, you're watching the World Cup with, and you're hoping to see something. Why, why deprive us a, a, a chance to see maybe a Croatia lift the World Cup or, or you know, Belgium? Or you know, Belgium, yeah. I mean, would, we, would, it even be, would it really be that bad if Russia won it? I mean, would it really be that bad? I mean, in, 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 a, in, in a strange way, what, this sport can bring people together. I mean, people are drinking together, they're laughing together, there's banter going on, there's this and that. I mean, it, maybe it can break some barriers. Uh, you know, so I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't be opposed to that either. Make no mistake, I'm on Belgium in a minute. <laughs> so then I'm quick. That one. Very good, very uh, good. Well, moral thanks. With both of our winners are still alive, but one of us is going to lose one uh, on... Is that Saturday? No, Friday. Friday. Well, Brazil, Belgium. So he, that's going to be big. Here's to me. Here's to you. If we disagree, to hell with your team and <laughs> let my team win it. Let but we should say, Charles, that Great Dane Brewery, our host for tonight's here, great pubs. We that, thank them very yeah, much. Great yep. Dane is uh, trying to become a, a soccer viewing uh, pubs in Madison. Madison is getting a, a pro team, Division Three pro team, and JT's team. You know, people that are listening and watching. You know, they really should support uh, Wisconsin support Badgers. Badgers. Great program. It's a winning yeah. program. Yeah. You can see good players play, players that are moving on to the MLS and all that. So I think as a soccer community, let's enjoy the World Cup, but let's also remember that there will be uh, Badger games and good games to see 
Reese Stevens Stadium next, you know, next spring pro games. So you know, let, let's get the great, great game, good food, good drink, good soccer, and you know, college and pro level. So you know, keep the community together and do something for our state of Wisconsin. Well, it's great to see Wisconsin soccer moving on and that's why we brought the show on the road if you call the exactly. road madison right not too far yeah. for us but uh yeah so johnny good luck uh next fall we'll be watching and all that and uh and who was your pick uh for, for the world cup champion who do you who do you have uh, i would love to see croatia brazil final yeah. croatia would, brazil would brazil would, winning would, would be incredible uh, i would take brazil <laughs> i'll take belgium <laughs> Brazil, Belgium. Brazil, and I hit Brazil. Yeah, Brazil I'll too. stick with that. That's why I did it at the All beginning. Right. All right. Well, well, wish, well, wish you guys, the Brazilian particular, a lot of kickoffs, and <laughs> if they do play Belgium. That's Good luck it. to you guys. All right. We, we thank you. This uh, ends our podcast number three, and we'll be back again with uh, more World Cup talk before the final. So thanks again from Great Dane Brewing uh, at the Hilldale location in Madison.